we're about to, uh, in fact, we are joined right now by Daniel Tobias, Green Room Award winner for Best Writing earlier this year. Daniel is performing his nationally acclaimed production, The Orchid and the Crow, at TheatreWorks this month. Hi, gang. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming. It's really, really uh, good to see you here. In fact, if you were the listener and you were able to see uh, Daniel Tobias right now, you would see that he is currently wearing, apparently completely by coincidence, is that correct? Well, w- when we did the original photo shoot, it was before we'd done the show. So I just sort of wanted to do a photo shoot of what I wear all the time. And he's, he's it's wearing that guy. The, same, the same thing. I Almost literally exactly the same thing. The same thing, just a slightly different T-shirt. So, speaking of which, The Orchid and the Crow, how would you describe this show? Well, I'm just looking at the flyer now. <laughs> what have we got? We've, we've got a comedy cabaret about an atheist surviving cancer by finding God in Lance Armstrong. Whoa. Yeah, that's, it's, that's really all over the place. But yeah. when I saw the videos for this yeah. and, and read up about it, there's a lot of, that's about Judaism and, and, and being Jewish. Yeah. Where does that come from? Well, so what happened was is I it's a true story that I went through treatment for testicular cancer 12 years ago. And what happened was is when I went through that experience, I kind of felt, well, the only thing that would really give this meaning when I get through all of this is to share my story because what got me through it was hearing other people's story, in particular Lance Armstrong's story, which is kind of funny to sort of hear now because Mm. he's the butt of a lot of jokes because his career turned in 2013 when he admitted to being a drug cheat. For those people who don't know who Lance Armstrong is, just in case you've been hiding under a rock, he's also a testicular cancer survivor and seven times Tour de France winner. Mm. So for me, hearing that story was like, you know, really important. And I thought, well, I want to share my story. And Lance really, for me, was like a modern messiah figure. But growing up as an atheist, I, I wasn't really used to that idea. And I kind of thought to myself, what would have people in my family have done years ago if they experienced a similar kind of thing? And I realized that five generations back, I actually had a rabbi in my family. So there must have been people who, were, you know, religion was quite close to them. But for me, you know, it's a completely different story because there's a we were culturally Jewish and we were uh, ethnically Jewish, but not religiously Jewish. And so I found this parallel between the Old Testament God and also Lance Armstrong in the sense that they're both quite narcissistic and they both smash stuff and <laughs> like people's careers or the, anything that gets in the way of, of them progressing and winning. And so, I, yeah, this is sort of where this writing started really, this, this, this connection between God and my new God Lance at the time. Armstrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I watched the video and there was this part where it said, the cool thing about Judaism being Jewish is yeah. that it's both a religion and an ethnicity and they put them together so you can't escape it, Yeah. which I found really fascinating. Knowing that and knowing that the show is about testicular cancer. Yeah. Have your parents gone and seen it? And what about your grandparents? Well, my grandparents, like, none of them believe in God. I've got one grandparent uh, left, my mum's mum, and she's very proud of the show, which I'm, I'm very happy about. But they all have a bit of a, an irreverent take on religion in general, and even the, the cultural side of it. I think Jewish people have got a long history of being able to laugh at themselves and laugh at God as well. And if you look at people like Woody Allen or Mel Brooks or, I mean, it's... There's lots of examples of it. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of hopefully fit into that 
sort of tradition in a way of being being able to have a laugh at it all. So it is, yeah. you know, obviously incredibly serious topics of yeah. know, testicular cancer and religion and things like that. But it's a, it's also like a, a variety show with cabaret and, and songs and, and, and monologues and how how has that been like fitting that all that together? So I just gave myself the the guideline to make each chapter of this story as engaging as possible, and I just wanted to bring all the things that I like to do on stage in there. So there's a sort of '80s rock song, sort of John Cougar Mellencamp kind of song about how my mum and dad got together, and there's uh, a Doris Day kind of Hollywood Western cabaret song, and there's some contemporary opera in there, and some traditional musical theatre there's some 90s indie rock like Blur and Weezer so it does jump around a fair bit but I just I like that when when I go and see theatre I love to be surprised you know I don't like to be lost but I like to be surprised I I, I mean it's the same in movies and books and stuff like that you know you you like to watch things and go what did you find that you it was a deliberate decision to fill it all with music or it just happened organically? Originally it wasn't going to be, there wasn't going to be any music, it was going to be more of a storytelling kind of show, just me and maybe a microphone and just talking for an hour and telling the story. But then, yeah, I, I kind of was inspired by, there's a great theatre maker, Bryony Kimmings from the UK, who uh, she does things that are sometimes storytelling and sometimes they're like performance art, sometimes it's like music or dance and just moves around. So I I just was really inspired by that. I I didn't want to make a show exactly like the kind of thing she was making, but I did like the way the form moves very quickly. And I'm not always holding people's hands saying, okay, this is where we're going to go next. You know, it's just like bang into another different form. It's It kind of sounds maybe the way I'm describing it as, as it's not is it's a little bit weird, but it's actually very accessible. Because mm. it's, it's, you're listed as the, the creator and performer. So obviously you're the only performer in, in the show, but creating, like, what, what does that entail? I was the, I'm the only one on stage, but it's a big team of people who, are, who have been part of it. So there, I have a director, Christian Leavesley, who's kept an eye on things all the way. Uh, Casey Benetto is the dramaturg. He was responsible for Keating the musical. Uh, and he co-wrote a couple of songs. Jarek Bischoff, the, who I know as the bass player from Amanda Palmer's band, he also produced Missy Higgins' last album. Oh, I think it was her last album. The one that she did all of the Australian covers. He co-wrote the... There's this contemporary opera in there. And I, I just knew him as like the one guy that could totally nail this. He just had an album a few years ago called Composed where it's all orchestral pop. And he's got all these great guests like Wills Klein from, sorry, Nels Klein from uh, Wilco. That's the band. He's the guitarist from Wilco. And also David Byrne um, from Talking Heads and uh, also Soko. So it's just incredible. One of my favourite albums. And I've been lucky to befriend him and sort of convinced him to co-write one of these songs. Another guy, John Thorne, who is... um, a real cabaret guy in Melbourne, and he's part of uh, the group, in, the improvisational group that do musicals called. Oh, now it slipped my mind. I can't believe I've forgotten it. Anyway, I'll remember it while we're talking about something else. Yeah, and also David Quirk, who's a comedian, stand up comedian, uh, one of my favourites in Australia. So, yeah, there's all these people that have. Claire Bartholomew as well, co songwriter with me. The big, big team, big gang. Have you found that you've been a little bit like creatively intimidated or has it been just a, a whirlwind working with all these people? Or? I think what happens is I 
love collaborating. I also don't completely trust that all my ideas are going to be good ones. So I surround myself with a team of people and I know that all these ideas are going to float around and I can just steer the ship from there and go, yeah, yeah, that's definitely where I want to go with it. And yeah, I I quite like that collaborating thing. Has the show evolved much since you have previously performed it? Like this is not the first time you've performed it. No, I premiered it in Melbourne in uh, at the Malt House in January of last year. And I, it hasn't changed too much. It's just more things have been tweaked and tightened and um, settled in a bit more. I think it's got funnier and I can sort of hang out a bit more. Mm. Whereas when I first made it, it was like, ah, it's a new thing. Whereas, you know, now I can really enjoy it. You're listening to Art Spitten with Jonathan, Ben, and at the moment we are joined in the studio by Daniel Tobias. So we're here to talk to you about the show you're in called The Orchid and the Crow. And we haven't actually talked about where the orchid or the crow fit into the show at all. Okay, so the orchid is there because the uh, surgical procedure for the removal of a testicle is called an orchidectomy or an orchiectomy. And that's because the Greek word for testicle is orchis. And the orchid flower gets its name because the bulbs of the plant look like testicles. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Wow. So that's the orchid bit. Okay. The crow comes because that's a symbol of death in many cultures. So I explain it more in the show, but you can imagine where that, where that's going. Hmm. Would you say that this show's like got a lot of black comedy in it? Because it it sounds it. I've tried to make it as funny as possible where it, where you know where I can. There are some bits that I just wanted it to be like theatre, and I'd, I'd you know change it around a bit. I mean, a lot of my favourite stuff isn't just funny all the way through. I'm really enjoying um, Horace and Pete at the moment. You know, um, Louis C.K.'s new show, and it's just full of moments of, that are just surprises all the time, you know. Not always funny, not always serious. It's just always swapping around, you know. It's great. I'm interested, I'm really interested to find out more about you yeah. and how you are an atheist, and yet your show is so much about religion and struggling with religion despite the 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 mortal threat yeah. of testicular cancer. So, yeah. How are you, I suppose, not necessarily how are you still an atheist, but Mm. has this show affected your own journey? Apart from finding God in Lance Armstrong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The main thing is it's made me have empathy for people who use faith to get through hard times. So even though organised religion doesn't appeal to me any more than it did before, in fact, it kind of... I was hoping that I would find more stuff that I could, you know, really get amongst and that, that that I would maybe even be able to use. But I, I find that the more I look into it, the there's some universal truths that all religions have and I find that anything that they all agree on, I probably agree with myself. Mm. But anything that they disagree on, then I probably struggle with also. So almost all religions talk about honesty and community and and trust and and giving and those things they're hard to argue with they're ethical values you know i know how dare other people (laughs) not want to trust other people or yeah or be honest yeah you know mm. it's just that when you tried to tell a story about magic invisible men in the sky that's the bits that i start to wonder about well not wonder just it just doesn't it's not speaking my language really Mm. but i get 
there are people out there that it does and it helps them through that situation. So the, the show is obviously based on real life experiences and, and beliefs and things like that. Have you had to, I suppose, embellish or add or make things up specifically for the show? I guess I'm, you know, in the show I talk to God, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that necessarily... I mean, I did ask questions of God subconsciously, I think, or even maybe even out loud, but I don't think he ever answered me back. Uh-huh. And he does in the show. Right. We have a few conversations. So that's the one fabrication in the show is that God actually speaks to you. Yeah. I don't know that there's any other fabrications. It's all, it's all my story. Thank you so far for giving us the opportunity to speak with you. But now we're going to look for a, just a little bit more because we're going to go into our Exquisite Corpse story. Yeah. So for anyone who wasn't listening before, Exquisite Corpse is a story that is made up of all the contributions of all the guests we have on Art Smitten over the course of the season. So our previous guests had one line which Ben is going to read with his lovely voice right now. (laughs) So I'm going to read this line, and then uh, you will be able to come up with a a follow-up line to to the story. That wasn't the line, by the way. Okay. (laughs) Um, All right, so the line is, Resurfaced, reborn, and a renaissance, it proclaimed a revelation in the township's art. Awesome access, awesome art. Wow. So I'll just now follow on with... uh, That's right. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Just warming up a little. The electricity was felt in their big toe. Excellent. All right. So that's going to join all the other sentences that we've had from previous guests. And at the end of the season, we will put together or read out the entire string of sentences that will form this very surreal story that has been developing. Well, thank you so much for this interview. If you are interested in listening or going to see The Orchid and the Crow, it's on from the 3rd to the 15th of May, and the preview's on the 3rd of May, on Tuesdays and Saturdays from 8pm, and on Sundays at 5pm at Theatreworks on Ackland Street in St Kilda. Do you have any final words that you want to say about this show? My grandma thinks it's a good show, and there was a rabbi in... uh South Australia, who thought it was pretty good. So, you know, if you trust the opinion of a rabbi. A rabbi and a grandmother. Yeah. I mean, after all, rabbis are held of high opinion, usually. Well, in their communities, yeah. Mm-hmm. As are grandmothers. 